Hey, Kenzie, you know what bothers me? What, Casey? Terrible intro music. Oh, bother! All right, everybody, and welcome to our 10th episode of Oh, Bother. What? We're 10 episodes old? We're in the double digits. All right, number 10. Let's do it again. Nice. There we go. (laughs) Good enough. All right, so uh, my name is Casey. And my name's Kenzie, and we're going to talk about what bothers us today. Yep, let's start out with our baby bothers. I'll go first because I think Kenzie's transitions well into our main topic of the day. I wonder what our main topic is going to be. Ooh, mystery. Uh, But anyway, my baby bother has to do with the 19th Amendment, uh, aka the uh, women's suffrage, you know, movement, the, the amendment that gave women the right to vote, okay? So last week, all right, this is my bother, last week was the 100th year anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment. And there was no fanfare oh, whatsoever. God. Wait, the 100th year? The 100th anniversary to the day. I of didn't the even know about that. I, do you know how I found out about it? What? One of the senators from Montana, John Tester, bless his heart, tweeted about it. And I found oh out my like God. 7 p.m. This is a farmer from Big Sandy is tweeting <laughs> about the passage of the 19th Amendment. And that is how I found out because I didn't see anything else like in the social stratosphere about it. And that Holy is what crap. bothers me. That is. I'm bothered by that. Especially with the current disenfranchisement franchisement of women right uh, in society with what's going on right now that is the perfect platform to talk about uh, all these things like see how far we come have come but also how far we have to go like that's the perfect have you heard about form. the equal rights amendment yeah of course and how it hasn't passed yet or what it hasn't passed yet what okay what amendment is this that you're talking the, about the one that says that women or men are created equal in the law in the eyes oh, of the I law. guess I have not. It's not heard in the Constitution yet, but they want to put it there so like Trump can't do anything shifty. Oh, yeah. Um, it almost got ratified in the seventies, but a lot of states, including my home state of Arizona, voted it down. Oh. and I've never been more ashamed of Arizona in my life. <laughs> See, Montana. Uh, the reason John Tester was tweeting about it is because. Montana was actually the very first state to ever have or to ever elect a woman to Congress. Cute. Um, Her name was Jeanette Rankin. She was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. And she was elected to Congress before the 19th Amendment had been passed. Yes. She voted for the 19th Amendment in Congress. She is the only woman to vote to give other women the right to vote. I'm just like mouthing the F word because we're not allowed to say it. Because, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. awesome. Jeanette Rankin uh, deserves a movie. I she's want to cuss about this because <laughs> I'm excited, but I can't. The problem is Montana has not had a female member of Congress since then, but that's a topic for another podcast. You bothered by that? I I am both bothered and also not bothered because we've had a lot of really great members of Congress. It's a shame they've all been men, but for the most part, they've been pretty solid. Okay. So I guess I'll let it slide. I don't know. We can talk about another part. There was a woman running a few years ago for uh, the U.S. House that I really wanted to win. Her name was Denise Juno, and she totally should have won. Instead, she lost to Ryan Zinke, the man who cannot stop talking about being a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I have... Not met a lot of politicians in my life, but there's, I have met him, and there was this running joke about how he talks nonstop about how he's a Navy SEAL. Like, that's a big part of your life, Yeah, it is though. a big part of your life, and it's like, thank, like, I thank you for your service, yeah. all that, 
But if you're running to like represent a state, you got to yeah. talk about the issues that are affecting the person in front of you and the mm. persons of the state. You I know? don't know if I were a Navy <laughs> SEAL, I'd talk about it all the time. He did talk about it all the time, and then he and then he immediately after he won election got put into Trump's cabinet as the Secretary of <gasps> Interior. He has since resigned, as has much many members of Trump's cabinet. <gasps> and so another story about so then we had to hold a special election to fill Ryan Zinke's seat. And then that's when Greg Gianforte ran, and he's the guy who body slammed a reporter from The Guardian. And he won anyway, because Montana's election that year was mostly a mail-in election, and he did that the night before the election. So wow. most people had already cast their votes. That was a whole thing. I don't know. I could talk about this for hours. I'm going to stop now. Should I cut now. you off soon? I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> the, my, my main bother was about the 100-year passage of the 19th Amendment. Uh, coming up and there was no fanfare about it it, it bothers me so Kenzie move on to your baby bother it's okay. not even a baby bother that's a big bother but that's a long. huge bother we should have done the whole podcast about women's rights I don't know we'll I'm do more than bothered I feel about women's rights though that's more yeah than, it's a whole other thing that's anger that's like pure anger maybe we might do it anyway in the future yeah we'll we'll, we'll test it out okay um so my baby bother has to do with our topic for today which is murder is this first thing going to be kind of graphic? No. Okay, so this go is for just anything. a thing that bothers me about murder. Um, so I'm really interested in true crime. I haven't been for a long time, but you know, you you grow old and reality starts hitting in to your adult life, and you just you're interested in crime for some reason. I don't know why middle aged white women like get so into true crime, but we do. I'm not middle-aged. <laughs> One of my roommates is uh, does not like true crime. He's a guy, and he often points out that the only people who ever he ever talks to who love true crime are women, and he doesn't understand it. Normally white women, like, honestly, it's just kind of like a weird, I don't know. I guess women in general. But, like, it bothers me that I'm into it because a lot of people, like... I have friends that aren't into murder, and they, like, think that I'm a sicko for it. And it's like, I'm not planning to commit a murder. I'm just, like, into it for some primal reason that I don't understand. I'm also a big fan of true crime, and I don't know why I like it either. I normally like it a lot when, most when the cases get solved. Yeah. Uh, unsolved murders Those really bother me. bother me so much. Mine is, I think it it's still unsolved. I don't I I didn't want to look up whether it was solved or unsolved mm-hmm. because like honest to god it's so frustrating to me that I d- I don't want to know that it's unsolved. Yeah. Anywho, what bothers me isn't people shaming me for liking murder. It's the fact that I like murder, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cuz like I don't know like on um the podcast My Favorite Murder, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite murder podcasts, they would talk about how they want nothing to do with a murder, but like I don't know, if I got assassinated, yeah. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean I don't want to be murdered. But if I did, I would want it to be talked about on a true crime podcast. Right, that too. <laughs> I would want it to be like a big deal. Um also, I would want to get murdered in our workplace because I desperately want to haunt our workplace (laughs) i would be honored to be one of the many ghosts that lives in our workplace like honestly that's that's the dream um but i'd have to be murdered because like i'd have to have unfinished business to become Mm -hmm. a ghost right yeah i get bored a lot at work (laughs) Um, anywho time to think (laughs) 
So anyway, our main topic of the week is murder. Uh, we're each, Kenzie and I are each going to be talking about a murder that uh, bothers us in particular. Uh, and uh, th neither of our, I mean, my case really isn't that graphic per se, and I don't imagine Kenzie's is that graphic either. Uh, Teeny she's, bit. Maybe Not just a very, little bit. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't like hearing about true crime or murder, this would be a good time to, you know, duck out of this podcast. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to be offended. Yeah, we won't be offended because, like, true crime isn't for everybody. So if you don't want to hear about these cases, feel free to just stop right now. It's like the onions or garlic of listening, you know? Like, you can't get the taste out of your mouth if you're if you're not into it. <laughs> it's like there, it stays Anyway, I'm going to go ahead, I'll get started. So my case that I'm going to be talking about today is one of the most famous cases in Montana. And it's not even because of the murder necessarily, it's because of everything that happened after it. Um, uh, so, uh, so it starts in 1979 uh, in Poplar, Montana, uh, which is in the northeastern part of the state. A 17-year-old girl named Kimberly Neese was murdered. Uh, she was murdered, uh, and her body was found near the Poplar River. Now, there was no signs of robbery, uh, no signs of sexual assault, so there was no obvious motive right out of the gate. Um, however, she was very pretty, she was really smart, she was the valedictorian of her graduating class, she was going to go off to college, she was going to do all these amazing things, so rumors immediately started to swirl around the town uh, that she had been killed out of jealousy by a group of girls. Right, and there was a ton of evidence at the scene. All right, uh, they uh, found dozens of fingerprints. There was like a bloody handprint on the side of this truck. Uh, a ton of evidence, but despite all of that, uh, the case went cold. There were a lot of different uh, government organizations working on this case at the same time. Um, some things might have got gotten bungled, uh, but at the end of the day, but you know, at the end they they all tried their hardest and they just couldn't catch anyone. Um, fast forward four years, okay? One of the people who was questioned in this case was a guy named Barry Beach. Now, if you're from Montana, basically everybody knows the name Barry Beach because of this case. He was questioned in 1979 when the case first happened, or when the murder first happened, but uh, again, he was not arrested at the time. No one was. Um, so fast forward to four years later. And Barry Beach was living in Louisiana with his father and his uh, stepmother. He was arrested uh, because his stepmother called the police on him because he was helping his stepsister skip school. What? Yeah, really weird reason to get the police called on you, but that's, that's what weird. And for some reason, his stepmother uh, told the police that he had been questioned for a murder while in Montana. Now at the same time, these uh, now at the time these Louisiana cops were trying to solve the murder of three women. All right, so they bring him in and thinking there might be a connection. They question him constantly, offer hours on end, oh trying to get him to confess. Okay, uh, he was questioned for two days straight. Okay, and by the end of the questioning, he, question he had confessed to four murders. Holy shit! The murders of the I'm three sorry. women. Yeah, <laughs> he confessed to the murder of the three women in Louisiana, and also the murder of Kimberly Neese in Montana. Now he was later cleared of the three murders in Louisiana because he had not been in Louisiana at the time. Okay, can they prove that? 
that he wasn't well he wasn't in louisiana at the time oh the murders. okay yeah, like he just he just wasn't um and so but and then they told and they told him things like we'll let you go home if you confess to these murders you know they told him a lot of stuff like that um they told him things like if you if you confess to this murder of uh kimberly niece we will send you back to montana and they'll prove that you're innocent all right mm-hmm. so he, finally he did confess okay so he gets sent back to so he gets charged with first degree murder and he's sent back to montana for a trial and at that trial he pleads not guilty all right on the grounds that his confession was coerced and basically um everybody uh in his immediate circle his family his friends the friends of Kimberly's nobody thought he actually did it no one uh thought he would be found guilty but he was they found him guilty and he was sent to jail now however there were questions surrounding this trial almost immediately okay so the prosec one of the reasons he was convicted was because the prosecutor a guy named Mark Roscoe Uh, argued that the confession that Beach gave was so detailed only the killer could have known uh of all these details that Beach you know supposedly gave in the confession however that was simply not true there were some things that were in the confession that were just straight up inaccurate all right um there's also a uh, Mark Roscoe per- uh uh presented some evidence like a piece of hair and other things that uh he said could only have belonged to Barry Beach okay so the the scientist who claimed that the hair had similar characteristic to Beach's hair um this guy was later found to be completely incompetent at his job and was fired by the state of Washington for his inability to analyze hair that's the quote from oh my uh, this wikipedia entry that i'm looking at here um even though this hair was inadmissible and it didn't belong to beach uh basically this guy Mark Roscoe the prosecutor was just like driving home the point like it could only be beach it could only be beach it could only be beach and eventually the jury was like yeah he's guilty and they What? rendered this guilty verdict now the thing about Mark Roscoe is he eventually became the governor of Montana. Of course he did. So these cases weren't just yeah, earlier we were talking about how Yikes. great Montana politicians are. This is maybe not one of the great ones. <laughs> this guy. So again, all these cases, they aren't just like, you know, cases to this guy. They're, you know, platforms which to eventually run for different political offices. So he, you know, maybe I would say I w- maybe I wouldn't go far as to say he fudged evidence, but it's a little bit iffy. Um also, you know, there's again let's go back to the rumors of the fact that uh she may have been uh, this girl may have been killed by a group of girls who were jealous of her, okay? Uh another thing that was uh that had happened, one of the police officers broke into the police station uh where some of this evidence from the crime scene was being stored, okay? This police officer was the father of one of these girls oh, who no. potentially being accused of this murder, all right? Uh one of these suspects that was not charged in the case. So that's another thing that's a little bit questionable. Um also the tape that had Barry Beach's confession on it was erased. No. So the, the, the confession being read out in court, that was like that was just a transcription. It was not the original case. Oh, that's right. not the confession that was being heard. So all this stuff is being uh read out okay now again you would think that maybe a jury would 
see all of this and you yeah. know, be like, okay, not guilty, but that isn't what happened. Uh, Veach was sent to jail anyway, and he was in jail for decades. Wow. Fast forward to the early 2000s, okay? This is like 16 years later. An organization called Centurion Ministries got involved with the case. Uh, and when they noticed that there wasn't a whole lot of like physical evidence linking Barry Beach to this case, they were like, okay, yeah, we'll take the case, okay? Because that's the cases that they work on are these ones with coerced confessions and things like that. Um, so what they, so what they want to do is like, they, they took on this case and they're like, okay, we're going to do some DNA testing and to prove that, you know, Barry Beach was not on the scene for this. And that was allowed in 2005. They were going to do that. Uh, now let's, you know, some of the, there's so much evidence at this original scene, like hair, blood, fingerprints, uh, all these, like all these different things. And, but when they went to go test it, they, the state of Montana could not locate the evidence from the crime scene. It had all been lost. Now, I was telling this part to one of my roommates, and my roommate was like, that sounds like a conspiracy. Like, who lost this evidence? Ooh. And I never thought about it like that before. But honestly, after having looked through all this stuff, I kind of think it was just a little bit of bungling on all the different <laughs> departments who were working on this case. Yeah. I'm not I'm not above the idea that you know they just lost the evidence. Yeah. It, it sucks but they did. So because of that, they were not able to uh test anything and prove. Uh one of the things uh that they then tried to do uh was ask for clemency on Beach's behalf uh to uh the governor of the state at the time, a guy named Brian Schweitzer. And, uh, but the thing about Montana is the governor, at least at this time, couldn't just grant clemency or pardon to someone serving jail time. It has to go through, uh, this department called the Montana Board of uh, Pardons and Paroles. And they rejected the application, which kept Beach in jail. Now in 2008, Dateline did a special on this case, you know, Keith Dateline. Morrison, Dateline. Oh, I know Dateline. And, uh, and this was a national, so this case got national attention. And then there was suddenly a ton more support for Barry Beach. Because when you hear like all of the evidence that I have just listed out to you, it kind of sounds like this guy didn't do it. <laughs> but he is still in jail. Uh, but he's Yikes. at this time still in jail because of it. Um, so what they did was they, uh, Decided to bring it to court again. Get a new appeal of Beach's conviction. And so they go through all of this stuff again. They bring in some more evidence. Um, they try to, uh, like, bring in some, like, witnesses uh, that were around at the time. Some witnesses who have heard, like, some of those girls who were involved in the original, like, confess to the crime, like, outside of a police area. Uh, and, but ultimately all of this new evidence was basically, like, basically kind of ruled, uh, sort of inadmissible, I guess, in the case. I don't know if I want to use those exact words, but basically nothing that was being presented was, you know, convincing enough for them to release him. Even though I think it, it, it nothing was good enough to totally prove that he's innocent. Even though all they really have this original confession, right? Mm -hmm. But he actually was released for a little bit at this time. He was released, and then they sent him back to jail. No! <laughs> the Montana Supreme Court uh, <gasps> sent him back to jail about two years later. He had to go back to jail. Jesus. All right? 
So he got two years of freedom? He got two years of freedom. That is so weird. Then finally, uh, in uh, 2014 to 2015, uh, what happened was they applied for clemency for him again. Now, they sent a petition to uh, the, you know, Montana Board of Paroles, uh, Pardons and Paroles, and so many people signed this petition, (laughs) including... Uh, Senator John Tester, already talked about, great guy. The governor at the time, Brian Schweitzer, great guy also. Uh, the senator, uh, former Senator Conrad Burns, not the best guy, but he still signed this, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, they again rejected his application for clemency. Now, fast forward again a few more years, and uh, Montana's trying to pass a new law that basically says that governors can commute sentences for prisoners if they so choose. Uh, And they don't have to go through this board of pardons and paroles to do it. Because Montana is one of only, like, at the time, was only one of, like, I think it's seven or ten states where the laws are so strict. So, anyway, they passed this new House bill, which allows for uh, the governor to just do this. So, at the time, now it's a few years later, the governor's guy named uh, Steve Bullock, who is currently running for president. Fun fact, great guy. (laughs) If I can say support a presidential candidate, I would say support him. It's great. Anyway, uh, so he... (laughs) There's uh, too many cooks in the kitchen for that. It's great, it's great, ma'am. <laughs> anyway, he uh, commuted Beach's sentence, Barry Beach, and Be- Barry Beach was finally set free and is currently out of jail. Hooray. So what bothers me about this case? I mean, really? a lot of things bother me. Really? You need to tell us what bo- I think I need that to... whole thing was a bother. Uh, the whole thing is bother but, but let me con- give you one concluding thought, okay? Okay. <laughs> Let's... I think, you know, legally speaking, this guy is still guilty of this crime. He was not set free because he was proven innocent. Oh. He was set free because he served his time. His time, his sentence was commuted, but he was set free because he uh, served his time. Which means that technically, like legally speaking, this murder is solved. But when you look at the evidence, it doesn't really feel like (laughs) he did it. So, but there's no incentive for them to solve this murder because right. they have someone's already served all the jail time for it. So that's what bothers me about this case most of all, is that it's unsolved and for the most part, then there's no incentive to right. actually find out who did this. And I think that that uh, means, you know, there's a murder where the justice has not been served and there's a murderer on the loose and that's very upsetting that's very but this is one of the most interesting cases i think i've heard in which there's been a coerced confession because they ended up having to change the state law to uh to like fix this entire situation also, all this stuff with Mark Roscoe eventually becoming governor of Montana. That's nuts. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure if you ask him, like, still, like, I think they asked him for the Dateline special, like, uh, if he still, you know, believes that Barry Beach did it. And that, and Mark Roscoe was still like, yeah, no, totally. He definitely did it. Like, he's very, he's either a very firm believer in the fact that Barry Beach did it, or he just doesn't want to, you know, fess up to the fact that he's wrong. But either way, anyway. It's upsetting. It's a. It's, it's upsetting. upsetting. Oh, oh! This is actually I, my last. My last thing about this murder. So when I was a senior in high school, was when uh, Barry Beach got sent back to jail. So it was making headlines. It was a very big deal, and 
This guy, though, moved to my high school from Poplar, and his girlfriend kept telling everybody that his, that Barry Beach was his uncle. That's great. And it was like <laughs> this running joke. He wasn't his uncle. But that's the kind of yeah. thing. It's like, that's how well known this case is in Montana, is that people, uh, like even high school kids, know the headlines. Yeah. And start riffing on them. I didn't know that many murderers when I was in high school, come to think of it. Like... I mean, I we we listen to so many true crime podcasts and true crime shows, but I don't think murder is as common as maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know any murderers like in high school because <laughs> I I didn't care about real things in high school. I was busy watching TV. Um, yeah, when you're but when you're from a small town, like right, case, like this case is interesting on a national scale. But like when you have nothing else going on, oh yeah, in town, like this is this is the that. news, yeah. Um, we played Poplar in sports. They were pretty far away, like like five hours away from my hometown. Shit. But yeah, what? Oh yeah, like t- Montana man. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that was mine. Let's move on to Kenzie's. Okay, so my murder bothers me, and I started learning information about it, and actually stopped because it was going to go from a bother to like anger. At some point. So I'm still at the bother stage right now. Um, But maybe a year ago, I was listening to My Favorite Murder, like I do. And I was driving somewhere, so it was just kind of on in the background. And I remember hearing about this case where there was an owl theory way after the fact. Mm. And I thought about that, like I was going to do a completely different case until all of a sudden I remembered the owl theory and how angry that made me in my car. So I did some research, and I kind of got the backstory of it. Have you heard of the Staircase murder? I have not. Okay, so there's a Netflix series that came out last year about it. So I started watching the Netflix series, and actually I'd started watching it, you know, a couple months ago, and I'd gotten so frustrated with it that I stopped watching it because it's just like, ah! Um, (laughs) So basically the gist of the Staircase murder is that Kathleen Peterson and Michael Peterson, her husband... We're sitting in their backyard in 2003 in North Carolina, and they were talking, and then Kathleen Peterson went inside and went up the stairs and allegedly fell down the stairs, retained injuries, and Michael Peterson was the only suspect in the murder. Now, they did... A lot of different tests on it. They took a lot of evidence, um, but they played the 911 call in the Netflix thing. And I've seen a lot of crime shows where the spouse calls 911, and you can kind of tell that, like, they don't want them to come. Or, like, I've seen a lot of guilty spouses talk to cops, like, in recordings. And this guy seemed normal. Like, he had a normal response. Like, he was worried. He wanted the police to come immediately. Mm -hmm. He was like, come here now. Why are you asking me so many questions? Just come and save my wife. And, like, he sounded legitimately worried. Which, you know, for me being as susceptible to liars as I am, like, I'm Mm -hmm. very gullible. I was immediately like, holy shit, this guy did not do this. Um... And they called the police. The police showed up. She was not breathing by the time the ambulance got there. And they did tests on her body in the area. 
And they realized that her injuries were inconsistent with an intruder. So, like, if someone had come and struck her with an object, mm-hmm. she had, like, a bunch of scratches on her head. Like, it was it was a really weird injury. Like, I looked at pictures mm-hmm. because I, I don't recommend you look at the pictures. Like, Ugh. just don't, don't do it. Um, but also what they said was she was really feisty. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like there were any signs that she fought back on the intruder. So if someone had come in and, like, like the murder weapon that they had that they thought was used was a fire poker from a fireplace. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, her personality, she would have fought back if they had just, like, come at her with a fire poker. Um, also, what really got to me was that they had a neighbor overhear everything mm-hmm. and testify that their marriage was, like, fine. Like, you heard them laughing in the backyard mm-hmm. right before this crime happened. And all their kids, plus they had, like, a blended family. They had, like, adopted kids and, like, mm-hmm. some from a former marriage. They were all like, yeah, our parents are fine. Yeah. <laughs> and they testified in court as character witnesses. And it was just heartbreaking to watch, like, the first couple of trials because it's like, this guy didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Like, I can tell. I don't know. Um, But the police were really convinced that it wasn't an accident. And they kept citing that the blood was dry at the crime scene. Which is weird to me because, like, he said, come right away. Yeah. Again. And then it sounded like they were stalling, which is weird. I don't know. I wasn't there. How can I know? But the thing that really bothers me about this case is that they convicted this man of this Mm -hmm. crime and he went to jail for it and eventually, I think, went to prison for it. And his neighbor came up later on with what is called the owl theory. And it's that Kathleen was walking into her home when she was attacked by an owl who stuck his talons in her head. And then she went upstairs to try to bandage, like, try to get stuff to fix it. And then fell down the stairs. Which I can visualize. I don't know, like... Okay, spoilers for season one of Trial and Error, but... What? Oh, yeah. Isn't that how Trial and Error ends the season one? With, is with that, the owl? Yeah. It's Wait, like, for real? I don't even remember that. Well, you know, you spend the entire... Again, spoilers for Trial and Error. You should yeah. really watch Trial and Error if you haven't seen it, you but should. now I'm going to kind of ruin it for you. Um, <laughs> season two is good. Oh, yeah, season two is great. Lady Driver. Lady Driver. Lady Driver. This is in like an understandable now <laughs> yeah but um uh anyway in trial and error like you spend the entire season like saying like oh john lithgow he didn't do it and then he yeah. does something else to be like oh no he did do it yeah. but then by the end they f- somehow find security footage of like a bird attacking his wife like an owl and then she crashes through their glass uh, oh my door. god oh yeah. my god that's probably why i was so bothered by that because i was like it sounds like it it doesn't seem like something that would trigger a murder. Like, you don't think of birds as people murderers. I hate birds. I'm very bothered by owls because of the whole, like, they don't have a neck thing. Ugh. Um, I'm also not a big birds person. I really love penguins. Like, I love penguins. But most birds can stay away from me. Owls definitely freak me out the most. And what weirded me out about the owl theory was that they actually found owl feathers in her hair, like, in the autopsy, and no one said anything. Like, 
Hmm. Why? So they find owl feathers. Why would you not bring like if you find owl feather like if you find feathers in someone's hair, it was a bird attack. Like that's yeah. obvious, right? Like I I don't know. I'm not a professional. Like maybe maybe there's more to it than this. But to me, like if I'm a detective and I find bird feathers like wedged in someone's hair with talon marks, yeah. I might find the bird. Like I, yeah, that's grounds for maybe it was a bird. Like, it's so ridiculous, yeah. but also, cra- crazier things have happened. Right. And also, like, I gotta be honest, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of people. Like, typically, I like animals more than people, but, like, birds, birds are worse than people. Like, <laughs> any person on Earth, a bird is worse. Promise. Yeah, I I can't even argue with you. I don't like birds. I, I don't know them. what it is. They're I... dirty. They carry the flu. They have beaks for some reason. Like, why do they need beaks? That's they can to attack dig you. The bugs out of the ground or something. To I don't dig know. the brains out of your head, Casey. That is why they have beaks <laughs> and talons because they are murder birds. Ugh. And that will go on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, I'm bothered by many aspects of that. I'm probably going to watch the end of the documentary and I highly recommend that you all watch it and correct me in real life about my facts. But because again, like I'm not a professional murder examiner at all. I, I'm i just really angry about this bird theory. Yeah, we're, yeah, exactly. We are not professionals by any means. We're just basing everything we're saying off of articles we've read and we also like, uh, love to learn. Listen to. So if you have any fact checks for us, you can... Tweet us at BotherPod. Wait, no. Oh, BotherPod. That's our Twitter. Comment on the gram. Yeah, you can comment on the gram, too. Um, we, we'd love to hear, especially, I think we'd love to hear murders that bother you. Yeah, if you have yeah. any recommendations for other, like, podcasts <laughs> that have, like, have specific episodes that uh you think we would be into one of my favorite true crime podcasts is called case file oh yes the host is australian and it's a great podcast i he did covers a lot of cases from all over the world and one of my favorite episodes he did like a three episode series on the silk road that one actually doesn't have a lot of murder in it uh but it is nuts and <laughs> if i can recommend any you to, uh anything to you all i recommend listening to case file the silk road great podcasting there if we're recommending murder podcasts um i gotta go with you must remember this with karina longworth she talks about she has a series on dead blondes in hollywood i love okay so my two favorite things are hollywood and true crime like old hollywood Mm -hmm. and true crime and when they intersect and it's like dead starlets in the 20s i'm yeah that's my that's my ish you know it sounds horrible, but I don't know. I I love 20s Hollywood because I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's oh, very man. comforting. It's <laughs> a person that doesn't know what they're doing in Hollywood. It's like very, okay, no one ever knew. Talkies what? Huh? <laughs> I, wanna, I don't have any like famous relatives, so to speak, but one of my grandpa's cousins was a silent film star. Ooh. And she did not survive the talking era. 
she, uh, yeah, her, apparently she didn't have a very nice sounding voice, but I don't know. They this never did. I don't know. Um, but, uh, she's most remembered for being involved in one of the very first Hollywood mur- murders, uh, the murder of William Desmond Taylor, which is oh. a very famous one. And she wasn't actually involved. She was just like one of the last people to see him alive. Um, and she actually got name dropped in BuzzFeed Unsolved. The nice. BuzzFeed Unsolved covered the William Desmond Taylor case. And at one point they mention uh, Claire Windsor, uh, which uh, was the stage name of my grandpa's cousin. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm not very bothered by that. Do you want to get into anti-bothers? Yeah, do you Shall have we? one ready and raring? I do, and it has nothing to do with murder. That's fine. It shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, murder is very bothersome. It's definitely, like, actually, I'm not going to connect this to murder. Um, so the other day, I was walking down the street, and um, this dog owner, like, had a big dog on a leash, and I was like, oh, he's adorable mm-hmm. in my head. But I wasn't going to be one of those people that's like, can I please hug your dog? I need this. Um, And then, like, the dog jumped on me and the girl apologized. And, like, in my head I was like, my plan worked. Like, I I telepathically talked to this dog. But also in real life I was like, it's cool. Yeah. So I wasn't bothered by that. I'm generally, like, unless a dog bites me, if a dog randomly jumps on me, I'm normally like, yay! Which is not to say, like, send your dogs to attack me, but, like, yeah, send your dogs to attack me. <laughs> I'm a fan. I, man, I'm awful. It always depends on the dog. Like, I never have. If it's a pit bull, then I'm not. Because they're, they're, like, meatier than I am. I just like really cute dogs. And sometimes dogs aren't cute <laughs> yeah i terrible. think, I I think we've had this conversation before and i'm like i honestly like i haven't met a lot of dogs where i'm like i won't cuddle with them because i really like i really love dogs like to a level that's probably not healthy um i think that's my defining line in being like am i a cat person or am i a dog person well it's like i like 95 percent of cats i meet and it's not that I oh I only like dogs, five percent of cats I meet. I would say I just don't go out of Actually, my way to like be near every dog I see. Like sometimes people see any dog and like oh I have to go pet that dog. Yep. For me, it's like it's it's a very hit or miss with what which dogs I'm going to like make an effort to go talk to. Meanwhile, Casey's cat is meowing furiously outside. Oh, not my cat. That is my roommate's cat. It lives in your home. I don't take care of it. <laughs> I, I, his name's Charlie. I pick him up and I cuddle with him and I force him to love me. But uh, I only feed him when my roommate is not around. So I don't think it's. I think yeah. that's the line of it being your cat. Is like you have to actually do something. I with definitely him. don't consider my roommate's cat my cat at all. He's like a weird roommate. <laughs> He's yeah. like a furry roommate that I sometimes touch. <laughs> Your roommate's cat is a little chunky. He's like too friendly he's very at this needy. point. Like he's like when I first met him, I was like, "Oh yeah, he likes me, hooray!" And then at some point, it was like, "It's hot. You're furry. Like I don't want you near me." My roommate's cat is well. She took him to the vet. This cat's name is Charlie. She took Charlie to the vet, and the vet told her that her cat's overweight. And like this cat is not overweight. This cat is like. Very muscular, right? 
and uh, maybe a little heavier than you expect him to be, but it's all definitely all muscle. And um, it, this is me coming from a cat. Like, I have a cat back home in Montana named Obi-Wan. And Obi-Wan, she's a lovely lady. She, she is... freaking loves Obi-Wan. She is 17 pounds, and she's beautiful. Shoot. That she's, is a lot of cat. Yeah, she's every year she goes to the vet for her yearly shaming, where the vet is just oh like, "Oh my god! Oh wow, your cat's overweight." And my mom's like, "I don't know what to do. She only eats half a scoop of weight control kibbles a day." You know, like I know we're we're outside of baby bothers, but like I'm pretty bothered by when vets tell you that your your pet is overweight. My cat is definitely overweight. Oh no, I was. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm, like, lightly offended by the time that you and Molly came over and you both fat-shamed my roommate's cat. That cat is also chunky. But then, like, I kind of came out of my, I don't know, I was kind of, like, in a honeymoon phase with this cat, and then I kind of, like, came out of it and, like, realized that he really was, like, very fat. I mean, like, granted, I don't know when a cat's fat because, like, I know nothing about cats, so I think... Seeing more cats, I was like, he's... How did this podcast become about this? I don't know. How did we I, get on this topic? I like a large... I li- I mean, my cat is a large angel. Why are we talking Jeez, about cats? Know. How did we get here? Um, you're talking about dogs. Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, my, one last thing about, <laughs> about my, my cat is very healthy. Um, don't worry about my cat. She <laughs> has gorgeous fur. She's obviously very... Like, she eats a lot of nutrients it's, she eats, the only reason she eats half a scoop of weight control kibbles a day is because that's all she eats. Like, we give her more than that. That's basically all she eats. She just has a starvation metabolism. So she was raised outdoors um, for, like, like she was abandoned by her mom. Aww. Eventually, we coaxed her to come inside and uh, raised her. And then we got her fixed. Um, and there were two things that happened at once. So we got her fixed, first of all. And the other thing that happened is we were feeding her. And, like, she didn't understand that the food was always going to be there. Aww. So, like, she just kept eating. And then she ballooned. Uh, and since then, she just doesn't eat that much. She And she exercises a lot. We have a new kitten that chases her around. But she just doesn't lose weight. She has a starvation metabolism. So it's just all staying on her. That makes sense. In case of a harsh winter or whatever yeah. <laughs> happened to her. Uh, but, no, she's beautiful. I love my cat so much. I'm going to put... We're going to post a picture of Obi-Wan onto the Instagram. <laughs> we're right. finally going to put something that's not a cartoon depiction of what we're talking about yeah yeah i want everybody to see my cat um anyway my anti-bother of the week all right uh so this kind of started out as a little bit of a bother but i've i've it transcended (laughs) into an anti-bother what Uh, so let me explain so yesterday uh one of my favorite uh, professors from college announced like on his you know, social media accounts that he uh, is leaving my university. He's leaving Montana State University uh, to take a, you know, a better job uh, at a different university. Uh, well within his rights, obviously. But I was weirdly upset about it. <laughs> uh, and I, I don't know why. I like very, like weirdly upset. But then I sort of started, like I started to think, you know, about, you know, how much this particular professor really like shaped my college experience and even where I am now like when I first started out in college I was an und- like undecided in what I was going to major in like I probably would have gone into film even without 
him, but one of the major reasons I ultimately majored in film was because I wanted to take more of his classes and I couldn't if I wasn't a film major. And then I got into them, like, and this was like film history stuff and like, because I was really into film history, but then by the time like I got into film history, uh, then I also had to take production classes and I fell in love also with making movies as well. And so I just owe a lot to this particular professor. And it was nice to really like remember that, I guess, um, to remember how much someone can really shape your life uh, for yeah. the better. That's cool. I wouldn't be here right now without that professor. And... For better or for worse. <laughs> I'm happy right now. No, I'm happy I, with my life. <laughs> I, I think you're going to be successful. No, I appreciate that. I don't know. I don't know about me. Actually, like at this point, I feel like I have to be because I'm here. We're going to do it. We have to do it. We don't have a choice. This Listen, podcast is going to take Keep listening to our podcast <laughs> because we're sad about our careers. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, uh, I think we're going to call, call this one a day. Yeah, we're not going to talk about murders next week, so if you... We're going to go in a very different direction. We're going to go in a very different direction. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you if you skip this podcast, you wouldn't have gotten to the end of this episode, so you wouldn't be hearing this, but we're, we're done. Tell your, tell your squeamish friends that we're done talking about murders. Yeah. Anyway, Uncover your ears. We'll like we'll yeah. post like in the episode notes maybe something like okay if you want to skip to the end you can skip to this time code or something. But... And we're just we're <laughs> just gonna be talking about next week. So like yeah, yeah next week is totally clean. Actually, anyway. I don't know. I don't know what. Anyway, thanks for listening to the big one zero. Yeah, thank you. Um, if you're actually a fan of this, then tell us why. Once again, <laughs> my name is Casey. My name's Kenzie. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.